Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode. Is it seven? It's seven, yeah. Did I have that right? Yeah, welcome to the seventh episode of Respect the Die. This is a D&D uh, play <laughs> D &D. podcast, D&D live play podcast, role-playing podcast. Uh, I am Luke. I'm your DM for this evening, and I am joined by the salacious Sam. Hi, I'm Sam. I am playing uh, Dave, the uh, dastardly gravedigger. The bad to the bone, Bryce. How's it going, everybody? I am playing. I am playing. Never say die, Casper. The jaunty Jamie. Hi, I'm playing Jersa, the Earth Genasi monk who can't get enough of rocks. <laughs> And the terrible Toriah. Terrible? Um, yep, I guess so. That's me. I'm playing Dina, a wild mage half-elf. Wow, good job, brain. And I can't think of anything quirky. Crap. <laughs> That's perfect. And Dina gets lost in thought. <laughs> Do that then. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, this is the seventh episode of our podcast, as I've said. Um, it is a continuous campaign. So if you haven't listened to our other episodes up to this point, please go back and give those a listen so please. you know what the pluck is going on. Uh, and I hope you really enjoy this. And if you don't enjoy us... Um, you may write your complaints uh, and throw them into the wind. We will get them. Yeah. Yeah, we will get them. That's how it works. Like Santa Claus. When we last left off, our, our adventurers had just left a small settlement where they found a banshee who had killed the rest of her village. And they put them all to rest, buried them. We also had the return of... Casper, the friendly skeleton, who returned from the underworld with some grave news about what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And presumably, you guys will head from there and continue on your journey towards Wittenberg. Is uh -huh. that correct? Or is there anything else I have to cover? I think that's pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sound, sounds sounds about right. Okay, if there's no objections, we will continue on our journey. So, after two more days of travel, you begin to see these kind of terraced farmland. The forest makes way to this farmland that's all been terraced up the sides of the mountains. You see more and more sides of population. Your path, the road winds down and is following this low river heading north. And then ahead of you, in the distance, as you come around the corner, you spy uh, this great waterfall coming down the side of a cliff and adjoining the river you've been following. And beyond the waterfall at the top of the cliff, you see a citadel. And below that is a town that's splayed through this valley. The, the houses kind of follow the river and the, the nooks of the valley. So you have this first um, creek 
coming down in a waterfall, and then beyond that, the citadel, and beyond that, a, another river joining together. So there's kind of three rivers converging and then heading to the northwest. I mean, as you get closer, you can see that that's where most of the population is. There's some just south of that river, and then there's a, a larger urbanized area to the, to the northeast of this river. And up to your west is just terraces, terraced farmland sloping upward with various vegetables. What kind of vegetables, Luke? Paint us, paint us a word picture. What's the? What? What kind of vegetables are we looking at? Why do you at? need vegetables? I need to know the vegetables. It's important. It might be relevant. Give me a nature check. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Shoot! A skill I have. Um. um wow. <gasps> I just burned the one natural 20 I'm going to have all night tonight. <laughs> you know, like, the specific Latin name of this breed of potato. <laughs> yeah. So you glance up the hill, and you're like, oh, yeah, they have this uh, cultivar of such and such vegetable, and I can see they're growing this and that and the other. You see various types of squash, gourds, melons, vegetables, leafy vegetables, such as lettuce and cabbage. Um, some kinds of tubers, um, you know, potato-like things. Much to onions. maybe, maybe much to the chagrin of everyone involved. Uh, immediately, I am, I, I'm just starting to begin to point things out, almost like a, almost like a tour guide. And 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 to the left, we have Varus Varus Carata. It is grown in the northwestern region of Whitmanburg and is a very healthy, healthy option for the lower calorie intake for the populace. Nonsense like that. Nonsense like that for, like, the entire way in. Dave is furiously scribbling all of it down. You can see some grains, but it's really mostly vegetables uh, from, that you can see from here. So no bread in this town. Lovely. <laughs> no bread in this town. No wheat in uh, I, I mean, you can't see it yet, but I can tell you if you continue through the town to the north of it, the land levels out quite a bit, and that's where most of the grain is. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That would make logical sense. Um, as we approach the town, uh, I am going to um, disguise myself as the uh, sailor that I used in uh, in Ashwood. So this, the town is, it's not really a town, it's a city. Everything is, there's a lot of houses packed closely together, well-built houses um, with adjoining walls. Gotcha. You see quite a few people milling around. Um, it's around noon when you approach. What kind of uh, what kind of security are we looking at as we kind of approach the 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 first layer of civilized populace of of Whitmanburg proper? Um, like, are there a lot of? Are there like a, a large guard presence? Is there more you know more subtle stuff? Like, what what's the What's the initial threatometer, I guess, of when we're walking into as we're walking into the city? That's a very good question. Uh, actually, at the at the peaks of all these mountains, none of them are so tall as to break the tree line, but at the peaks of all of them are watchtowers, hmm. um, which you imagine is because the mountains kind of block the view at a distance. And you you've been seeing these watchtowers for quite a ways. Actually, mm. you don't immediately see a lot of soldiers, but there's some. Gotcha. Parts. Okay. And even this far away from even where we are in the city, it's it's safe to assume that 
as we get closer, there could possibly be a, a quite large amount of city security as we get yeah. further into the city, which makes sense, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's also quite a few signs of mechanical engineering throughout. You can see water wheels are very abundant. Like the river is just lined with them. And you don't really know what their purpose is, but um, a lot of these cataracts, these falls have like water wheels. And then going up to the high rock where the citadel is, there are a number of pulley systems that appear to be designed to, to hoist heavy loads hmm. um, on kind of kind of like a cable car set up up and down. Ooh, okay. There is a... Because this is bigger than any city that Casper has probably ever been to. Um, like even the infra- even uh, the the infrastructure of Adramold is probably one of the biggest places he's ever been. Um, so this is quite 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 overwhelming for for him. Um, and he kind of mutters to himself, "Ooh, we could uh, we could be searching for the." Uh, for the next members of our quarry for quite a while in a city this big. Who Who is our target again? That would be the Doctor, Silk. Mm. I imagine even in a city this big, though, there aren't too many doctors. I think that we should establish some priorities, though. One thing that might be good in a place with this many resources is to... Acquire some better equipment. Mm. That sounds quite appropriate. And uh, Casper reaches reaches down to the to the swords that he pilfered from the sheriff's office, uh, and immediately reminded of just how how rusted out and, and ground down, and how very close to breaking all of these all of these weapons are. Does anybody have any money? Yes, quite a bit. We we have a lot. I have forgotten <laughs> how much money we have. Two thousand and ninety-five gold. Goodness. So, unless anyone had additional private accounts, that uh, I believe was the collective. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, Dave. <laughs> ah, yes, my my six hundred, my six thousand gold pieces worth of gemstones I've been hauling around inside my skeleton. Um, I didn't see any of those when you fell apart. <laughs> You could store quite a bit in there, really. The skull's quite spacious once you have everything out of it. You'd be very good at smuggling things in. Ooh. <laughs> Casper, considers a change of change of occupation. Luke, <laughs> what is the what would be the nearest uh, merchant best places to buy improved weaponry, armor, etc.? I mean, you wouldn't know that. From your approach, but you can ask around if you like. Okay. And and you learn fairly quickly from some locals that your best bet is to head towards the square in the north district. Okay. The lower quarter. Alright, let's do it. Let's head that direction. I think that we should locate an armorer and a clothier. It would be good to get some guys that would um not attract attention for all of you. It's uh Quite agreed. Are you talking about me? Uh, possibly. We don't want anybody who might know your description from Wheatfield to get to here. Dana's going to have to find a concealer. Additionally, we don't want to bump into Silk or Atensia or anyone else who might be here. 
and um, have them recognize us right off the bat. Mm. So, headscarves, makeup. Uh, I don't know if makeup would do any good with our illusory appearance, but, you know, anything that we can do so that we don't look immediately like we did the day we died. All right. That, uh, I feel like that is a good direction to begin to walk in. Uh, North Carter it is. Okay. So you walk north, and as you reach this, the point where the rivers merge, you find your way to the bridge, which crosses the river. To the north, you can see another bridge a ways away. And to your west, now that you've come around this rock that the citadel is perched on, you can see another mountain sloping up to your east. Did I say to the west? To the east. And there's a you can see a path winding up, and some kind of fortress is carved into the side of that mountain. So it seems that this town actually has two castles. Because there's this fortress that's embedded in the rocks of the mountain. And then there's the citadel perched above you. And you can see a number of... These are actually drawbridges. They have a wooden section that can lift up. And you see quite a bit of traffic. None of it goes up the to the east because there's waterfalls in that direction. You see that there's a lot of boats heading north. Crossing the river, you pass by the temple with its normal, radiant, obnoxious glow that makes you kind of queasy just to be near. And you come to the square. But it's surrounded by, it's surrounded by all kinds of businesses. And there's, there's also people, there's, there's farmers just throughout the square selling things with carts, from carts. And you are looking for an armor. Is that right? And someone who could probably also sell us uh, clothing. Yeah, clothing store or to increase tailor. our and to increase our status. Yeah, to to be specific, I want studded leather armor um, okay. for myself. So, uh, Sam, give me the name of a armor shop. What is the armor shop called? It's called the Dragon's Garment. The Dragon's Garment. Mm-hmm. Very good. So you see this uh, hanging over the square. You see a sign swinging, and it's in the shape of a wooden carved dragon. And below that uh, is a helmet, a metal plate helmet. And in the windows of the shop, you can see some samples of armor. Opening the door, uh, you hear a bell ring. It's a... dimly lit shop with bits of armor hung all over everything. Uh, There's armor all up the walls, way up to the ceiling, and stooped over the counter at the back of the shop is an elderly gentleman. As you come in, he looks up, and he goes, oh, come in, come in. How can I serve you today? Welcome to the Dragon's Garment. We have the finest armor in all of, well, anywhere. Well, I'm, I'll be. This is quite the story you've got here, I'll say. Oh, I, th- oh, I thank you. What's your name there? 
My name is Lucian. Lucian, nice to meet you. I'm I'm Pete. Pete. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Are you looking for some armor? Yes, I need something. Uh, I need something comfortable and light. I can move around and easily, but be protected. Are you uh, are you joining the military? Uh, no, I'm a I'm a sailor, and I've uh you know I've uh, sailed on the seas for quite a while, and uh, well, had some run-ins with some pirates. Uh, messed my uh, messed my leg up real bad in a fight. Uh, so I thought you know next time I go back out to sea, I'd like to be a little better protected. But still need to move around, still need to be able to swim, all that stuff. Ah, well, if you are looking for something to serve you on the high seas, I would recommend against regular iron, because, as you know, the salt can really rust, and you don't want your your investment to be eaten away uh, before you get the chance to use it. So come this way, please. Okay. Um... And he opens up a door, and you follow him into this back room, and it's got these shelves that are, they're they're very large shelves, and they're just piled with leather, and he pulls off a a leather um, tunic type thing, a leather shirt, I don't know, what do you call those? A jerkin. Jerkin, yeah. Uh, Pulls it off of a shelf. And shows it to you. It looks quite sturdy. The leather is quite hard. And he he says, Now this here, this here is specially treated to protect it from the salt. Uh, Well, not from salt specifically. I can't say I have anything specific for the ocean, unfortunately. But I can tell you this is completely rust proof. It will not. <laughs> this leather is completely rustproof. Oh my god! What technology? <laughs> yes, many people don't know that leather is, you know, it becomes brittle in the salt, and you need to protect against that. This is the shopping spree edition. <laughs> he looks at you expectantly. Are you already wearing leather? No, I'm not wearing, I don't have any armor. I'm disguised mm-hmm. as a sailor, too, that's just wearing, like, normal clothes. So he he looks at you a moment, and he can see you're hesitant. And he, he says, well, perhaps if that doesn't interest you, I can interest you in, uh, you might like the upgraded version. And he pulls down another leather outfit, and he goes, this one. Now, this has all the flexibility and freedom of regular leather armor, but as you can see here, um, and he shows you some metal plates that are affixed to the joints of the armor. These provide extra protection to those vital parts where a blade might catch. Now, I know what you're thinking. Won't those rust? And you, that's a very good question. You would be right in thinking that. But let me tell you, this is not ordinary iron. You see, this iron has been treated with a special composite of nickel, the special iron-nickel alloy, 
that my cousin down in the uh, down in the metalworking uh, shops by the river he has invented this alloy and uh in the trade we call it stainless steel <laughs> and i can assure you this will never rust <laughs> can i um do i believe him <laughs> make an insight check <laughs> I rolled a natural one, so I think this is an Ooh. absolute miracle. Um, Dave will just go. I'll be. That seems like that seems like quite the marvelous technology. Do you mind if I try it on? Why, oh, absolutely. Let me help you, and he'll kind of help you strap into it. Okay. Um, assuming that it's to my liking, um, I will pay for it. Uh, it costs the standard forty-five gold pieces. Neat. Anything else I can interest you, sir? You've made a very excellent decision there today. Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, I'll tell I'll tell my friends about you. Maybe you'll get some more sailors coming in here. Oh, we appreciate your business. Thank you so much. Please come again. Have a wonderful afternoon. Okay, who else wanted to buy something? Um, I probably need to buy a disguise, because I look very obvious. Okay. Um, there's a number of clothing shops. Um, tell me the name of the clothing shop you want to go to. I'm going to go to the Gucci Garment. I I totally just ripped off what Sam did, but we're also, it's Gucci. We're also going to get sued for Um, I don't know. I, I feel like that falls under... Aren't there humor laws about copyright? Like maybe, but also Gucci. Gucci is a race of uh, of turtle, so I think we're totally. Fine. Oh my god! It's run by yeah. We it's a it's run by a tortoise. It's a turtle. <laughs> they're just right next to each other. Gucci <laughs> glamour. Okay, so Gucci garment, but I like Gucci Gu garment. I like Gucci glamour you, better. Actually, you like we'll, Gucci we'll glamour. <laughs> Okay. And I just like the idea though of like dragon's garment and then Gucci garment and then there's like another <laughs> garment store next to it. Okay. So you um are asking around for a place to buy clothing. And this there's some rather upper class girls that overhear you asking around about this. Oh, no. Um, and they're kind of picking their way. They're walking down the street and with their manservant following close behind. <laughs> and one of them hears you and goes, why, darling, don't you know the only place to buy clothing fit for a lady is at Gucci Glamour in Hightown. Oh, all right. I'm, I'm looking for a really cool scarf. Oh, yes, they have the finest scarves. So she gives you directions, um, and you make your way around the winding road um, to the east, and you and you find yourself up on the rock where the citadel is in the shadow of the citadel, and there, just at the base of the gate, you're. I mean, these are really nice houses around here, um, that are. It's kind of manors sitting on on top of this rock under the citadel, nestled among the houses is a small boutique. Okay. 
and it and it says in very ornate letters Gucci glamour and you make your way inside um, it's very pristine there are these marble pedestals arranged artistically around the boutique there are some finely carved wooden mannequins and Shakira plays over the loudspeakers <laughs> and this turtle approaches you as soon as you walk in and she goes Hello, welcome to Gucci Glamour. <laughs> Can I help you? <laughs> Play this out, Jerza. Play it out. This is so good. Yeah, I'm looking for a really cool scarf and maybe like uh, a hood, you know, something to keep my face out of the sun. It's not good for my skin. Oh, absolutely. You need something to protect you from the sun. It can do a real number to your skin. I mean, us turtles are just horribly affected by the sunlight, and I do everything to stay out of it. So let me show you around. We have some scarves over here. We have silks up here. I'm just, I'm visualizing <laughs> this. I'm visualizing this turtle very slowly leading her around the place. And like the back of the shell is just bedazzled. Yeah. Like just like completely. It says juicy <laughs> on the back. Yeah. The back of her shell has juicy written across it. <laughs> oh, this is our new friend. She's coming on the rest of this adventure with us. That's so funny. Oh, I'm Genevieve, by the way. Uh, if you need anything. So feel free to look around. If you have any questions, we're right here. Stacy, that's Stacy over here behind the counter. Hi, girl. Oh, my God. Stacy slowly waves at you in slow motion. So, uh, yeah, just uh, if we have any questions, we're here. I'm going to pick something black. So a cool black scarf and try to wrap it in such a way that it like covers the lower half of my face as well as like kind of around my head. Okay. Yeah. Sort of ninja-esque. I don't know. Ooh. We'll see We'll see how that turns out. Mm -hmm. um, Casper has been following Genevieve around this whole time. Oh, you're with me? Of course I'm with you. I'm freezing. You find a lovely Afghan scarf, all black. Um, you can tell immediately um, it's it's made of the finest material, high thread count. It shimmers. Um, it weighs almost nothing, but it's very warm. Wow. How much is it? <laughs> you don't see a price on it. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Uh, excuse me, Tortle? Genevieve. Uh, it's, it's, it's Genevieve. Gen uh, Genevieve, uh, how much is this scarf? Oh, let me just see for you. Um, she goes over to the counter and gets out a, a book and she goes, oh yes, those scarves, this fantastic workmanship, you know, they come from very far away. It's a very reasonably priced. Oh no. At just... 500 gold. Oh you won't find a better deal anywhere. Casper turns around Jersa's, and leaves. Jersa's jaw just kind of drops and she slowly removes the scarf from her head. 
and folds it up and puts it back where she found it. Nope. Oh, man. And then I go to the clearance section. <laughs> there isn't one. <laughs> You could buy like. <laughs> then I leave. You All right. Buy like a bunch of horses for that amount of money. Like, just oh like... man! <laughs> As you leave, Genevieve calls after you. Come again! Oh my word! Casper walks outside and grabs the nearest passerby, <laughs> and kind of just dumbfounded stares into their face and goes, "What kind of cursed place is this? What kind of cursed society would pay five hundred finest gold pieces?" For a piece of cloth. And he goes, ah, let, let go of me. Ex- uh, I apologize, sir. I, have, I do have Pulls a question. Away. I have a question for you, sir. Real quick. He's like chasing him down the road. I'm very busy. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for fantasy coals. Where can I find that? I don't know of such a place. Leave me alone. He All right. walking. All right, Luke. I am looking for fantasy coals. <laughs> Wherever Fantasy near- coals? What kind of <laughs> shop is that? It sells clothes. Oh, Fantasy Coles. What's yes. the name of the shop? All right. I'm looking. <laughs> it's Fantasy Coles, but C O A L S. And it's like a burning little hearth fire on the image. See, I do like that a lot. I was going to suggest Pile of Clothing, TM. Hey, it's your go. All right. Um, you make your way back to the lower district. You see a needle and thread sign. Um, you open the door. It's full of clothes. At the back, you see a half-elf woman who is busily stitching away, and she doesn't even look up. She just calls out, Thanks for coming, a pile of clothes. (laughs) Yes. And you can see that there's no nice mannequins here, no marble pedestals. There's just pine tables crammed together with clothes folded at least. And there's there's about four other people in the shop all rifling through the clothes and asking her questions. All right. I grab a hold of Jersa and I and I direct her towards the nearest place that appears to have, you know, the kind of thing she was looking for, the scarves and the head wraps and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I am looking for I'm looking for something that is one hooded two is inlaid and equipped with some kind of fur because Casper is freezing. He's been freezing since the day that he crawled out of that grave. You see several woolen options. Uh, quite a bit of wool, actually. Actually, pretty much everything in here looks like it's made of wool. But no fur. Huh. Immediately apparent. Okay. But there's some very thick woolen items. Oh, yeah. I'll grab some kind of uh, woven shirt. I'll grab a hold of a uh, of a woolen and leather jacket, uh, some pants and some boots, and I plop them on the desk in front of her. These will do fine. Yes, wine silver, perfect, spectacular. And I and I and I uh, flick the silver her direction. She catches it deftly. All right, all right, Jess, I'll be outside. And I turn around and leave. Jess, what are you after? So I'm just going to basically look for the same thing, find a scarf that can wrap around my head and my face, maybe some gloves as well, just to hide as much of my skin as possible. Um, You don't see any gloves in here, but you find a scarf pretty easily. You take it to the lady, one copper. 
Perfect. All right. For the sake of expediency, can we say that um, Jersa ran into Dina at some point in the pile of clothes? Sure. Because all Dina wanted was just like a new cloak and a better pair of boots. <laughs> um, The boots you can't, but a cloak will cost you five copper. I mean, we can skip ahead more role-playing of shops if you guys like, if you want to just buy stuff. The the nearest blacksmith I'll find, I'll literally take the two short swords and just dump them in the in the trash bin outside of their shop. Yeah, you find a weapon maker from Wayne's Weapons. Wayne's Weapons. And <laughs> from Wayne. Hey, man. Excellent. Nice blades, dude. <laughs> Oh, you can just you can just throw those in the pile, man. You can just you got the big oh, pile there. Pile. People just those you know horseshoes, swords. You got like a metal cup or something. Just just we can melt them down, use team. them again. Yeah. It's great. We just yeah, melt them again. We turn them into watches. You know, I, you know, if you, yeah. anything you throw in the pile, you can take. I'll, I'll tell you what, you can take a coupon, five percent. Be off. your swords to plowshares. Yeah. You know, it's all about peace. Yeah, peace, exactly. Peace, love, and all that. Jazz. It's still, yeah. of course, forge the weapons because you know, gotta eat. Gotta you gotta gotta <sighs> get gotta get that bread because we don't have a lot of it here in Whitmanburg. <laughs> How much were the? Uh, I'm all about self-defense, not war. <laughs> I literally hug Wayne on the way out. Okay, it's been such a great experience. His hair smells horrible. Dina does want to find a nice quarterstaff, or the um, blacksmith did not seem like the place to go for that. If you if you ask the weaponsmith about a quarterstaff, he'll just grab a spear shaft from the wall that hasn't been used and toss it at you. How m- how much? Is, ah, keep it. He winks. Oh. Ooh. Completely over Dina's head. Creepy. She does not understand. Uh, quite. Not in a not in a flirty way. Not in a flirty way like D- Dave thinks it's creepy. Dave thinks that people giving things away for free is creepy. <laughs> it's just, it goes against it violates his theories. You know, charity is human creepy. behavior. You know, it's like I can't account mm-hmm. for that variable. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll reconvene in like a tavern or something. Okay, actually, um, somebody directs you to a a tavern that is perched on a cliff over in the in the east quarter. Um, so you make your way up a windy road. Um, and you can see it from below. It's got like struts sticking out of the cliff at a 45 degree angle, holding it up. And when you approach it from the front, once you get up there, you see that the sign above it says uh, Airbnb. (laughs) (laughs) We're just just going like full fourth wall breaking this episode. Steal all the copyrights. <laughs> no shame anymore. <laughs> is it at least in the air? Yeah, yeah. it's on the cliff. It's Hanging like out the over the cliff. Yeah. Okay, so it's like it's very, okay, cool. Yeah, somebody's seconds. like, hey, you know what would be a great idea for a bar? Let's put a bar that like hangs over a cliffside. What could go wrong, what could guys? Go wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, so many good fights. Well, the, it's got a really cool open-air section at the back with a balcony overlooking the town. And you can tell that the supports are pretty sturdy. 
It doesn't look like it's about to fall off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Luke wouldn't create a world that would just fall apart at random, would he? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Never. Never. You're, Everybody you're, make you're... an acrobatics check. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine we huddle at a table. Yeah. You can tell it's kind of an attraction. There's magical candles on all the tables, kind of these these permanent lights. You don't draw too much attention to yourselves. Because we finally look pseudo-normal. Hooray! Yeah. So, I haven't noticed anything too strange yet. People don't seem to be too happy or there hasn't been a murder or anything. There's no mention of that. No one seems to be brainwashed of sorts. Everyone seems to be happy of their own volition. So far, both the medallion, both the artifacts influenced the mind somehow. Hmm. So I'm wondering if it's probably hard because this place is so big, but we need to look out for strange behavior. I would agree. Uh, Dina, I'm going to assume that neither Dave and Jersa nor I have ever been in a a place quite like this, or in a place with so many people, so many things happening all at the same time. Like, are you a person of experience who would know something like or like this place? Well, I've been in cities before, but not quite this large. Uh, certainly not so mechanical uh, in nature. No, I've I've never been much of a people person. I usually stayed in. The libraries or research facilities that were in my university, so. Didn't get out a whole lot. So it seems that all of us are a bit of a, at a bit of a disadvantage in figuring this place out. Jersa, what do you think? I'm, I think one of us just needs to fake an injury, right? Then we need to go to the doctor, obviously. So we go to the doctor and then we find him. And then we kill him, and then it's over. Issue with that is that we're already dead. We just gotta fake it. But, yes, I, I, I can fake something like that. I think I have proven my powers of deception. Um, I do quite like where you're going, but I think it's a little more complicated than that. Yes, let's also slow down the murder train for a couple of reasons. One, the last time we played it out. Not all of us made it out. So let's take that into account. Two, this place is uh, fortified. We are surrounded by security everywhere. We won't get away with just hacking somebody to death in their office. It's going to be like, we will be in real trouble. We will have to carefully plan this. Because if we don't, it's going to be Weedfield all over again. I must say I agree with Casper. I think our best course of action at this moment would be to look for persons of interest who have come into recent success within the past couple weeks. Um, that sort of thing is usually publicized in papers. Elaborate. What kind of what kind of success are we looking for? Like, uh, like someone just made a lot of money, or someone just got promoted to something? Like, like certainly. New doctor has miracle cure. Something like that. Uh, some flashy mm. headline that would 
indicate the use of a powerful magical item. This is assuming that they're not being fairly secretive about it, but... Yes. It's a place to start. We need to find him, and we need to watch him. Hmm. We need to know what the artifact is, and we need to know what it does. And most importantly, how to get away from him in a way that doesn't incriminate us immediately. Yes. But Jersa, I do like the plan. I do like the idea of getting one of us sick or making one of us appear, appear injured to at least get close. Maybe that would present the opportunity to, to learn that information, to get an idea of uh, what we're actually dealing with and how inaccessible this Dr. Silk actually is. It could be he has an existing practice. You could just pretend to be sick, you know, and then you're just an innocent person. Mm. It's true, but you open yourself up to a great deal of scrutiny, Mm. you know. I mean, most of us tend to stick out. I couldn't be disguised because if the doctors are looking at me carefully, they'll see through it, I'm sure. Even worse, even if we get in the office with Dr. Silk, he'll recognize us immediately. He'll know exactly who we are. Also, why it's difficult. So we need to find him. We could probably check and see if there's a sick house. The issue is we're in a very crowded city. Any noise it's likely going to be heard by neighbors who might alert the guard, who likely have a regular patrol. So, you know, it's not going to be... Easy. It's not going to be as simple as Ashwood and breaking into the, into the sheriff's house. And right. We do have to, to do this discreetly. We still, yeah, we quite literally run the risk of being immediately imprisoned and/or killed. All right. Do we, does anybody have a, another idea then? I think we should take this in steps. First, locate and identify. That is, find Doctor Silk. And try and determine what item he has, and then reassess from there how to handle it. I guess what I'm asking then is, like, how do we find him? All right. That it, now now we can start getting specific. Uh, I think a good course of action would kind of be to chase down uh, Dana's point of, pers- point of perspective that she brought up earlier. Uh, we try to find uh, any news of uh, recent doctors, doctors with consistent uh, success, doctors that are... Uh, of good benefit to the to the to the city, or maybe on the flip side, he is actually a, a trash can in in his real life, and he uh, and he's been you know committing all of these terrible crimes. We do need to find an idea of what doctors currently are in the city of, uh, and get an idea of where we need to go. We could pretend. I could I could disguise myself as somebody and and um. Ask around, uh, looking for somebody to treat my my ailing son, or something to that effect. And perhaps the, uh, you know, um, pity is an easy thing to prey upon. Uh, yeah, of course. Might get me somewhere. All right. I think I've got a couple ideas up my sleeve as to how to talk to some people and get an idea of what this guy might be. Tina was going to look for some sort of dispensary of information, assuming there's... And some sort of newspaper outfit here. Usually cities of this size would have that. All right. I'm going to leave the talking bits to you all because I'm not good at talking to people. I'm a bit shy. Would you like to help me speed up my research? I was going to go look through paper archives. Yeah. That could be a pretty good job. 
the two of you go and, and look for uh, any disseminated information. And Dave and I will, will go bother the locals and the herbologists and just try to get a, an eye of the street of what we're looking at. I think one last thing to keep in mind is the three types of items we still haven't identified. The symbols on that box we had. There was a spiral, an embrace, and a shield remaining. We already have the eye and the changing assortment of faces. Right. Uh, who has the box right now? Dave. All right. Okay. I just need to remember to be careful. Don't open the box. Don't use the items. Because we run a serious risk of unlocking something far worse than a couple of, than a than some little artifacts. Look, would you be more comfortable holding the box? Oh, I would not. I would not be comfortable holding the box. I have no problem holding the box. I like boxes. They're very funny. We don't use them under the oceans. It's very, you know, reminds me of a hermit crab. <laughs> hermit crabs are very funny. They're very enjoyable to talk to. Excellent conversationalists. What? <laughs> anyway, Luke. D- Dave just, just just cocks his head at you like, yes? <laughs> As you guys are talking, what are your guys' passes, passive perception? Sure. Um, 11. We're looking at a hot 12. We are looking at a hot 18. Dave and Dina in the back like, hey. <laughs> As you guys are, as your conversation is coming to a close. Uh, Casper, your ear bones. <laughs> My what? <laughs> there are three bones inside the your ear. Your stirrup and hammer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know which bones, but they perk up. Yeah, they float up out of the ear hole. <laughs> to be fair, ears in real life don't perk up, so... <laughs> But no, the bones do. The, the, the bones work up. Yeah. And uh, you over here, um, the merchants at the other table, and what they're saying catches your ear. And you notice that they seem to be, one of them seems to be talking about ghosts. He's saying, oh, I swear, Alfred, I saw them. Ghosts. He goes, ah, get off your, your, uh, I don't know. Get off it. You know there's no ghost down there. You were just spooked out because you are out there in the cemetery past dark and you've been superstitious your whole life. How are you gonna tell me that ghosts aren't real? You know, as well as I know, that beings of all sorts walk these planes. And necromancers exist. Why would you think that ghosts aren't real? And Casper sits down in the, sits down at the chair that was at the same table as them, and uh, and folds his hand in front of him and say, "Please go on. I do love a good ghost story." So the man continues. Okay. So he like leans in towards you as as like a sympathetic ear, right? That these other guys are making fun of him. And he goes, "So I was out by the crypt." Up in Upton, and he he gestures up the road, and I hear the strange creaking of stones coming from inside the crypt, and I catch 
this flash of blue light coming from between the crack in the stones, the stone doors. And I hear a voice, faint and quiet. And I couldn't make out what it was saying, but it sure was talking. And there's nothing alive down there, I tell you. Uh, I want to go ahead and uh, I'd like to roll an insight check. Not to see if he's telling mm-hmm. the truth or not, but to see, is he, to see if he's sound of mind. Okay, it's okay. Um, that's going to be a 23. Okay. He looks pretty flustered and you suspect he might be embellishing. Uh, but you have no reason to think he's not of sound mind. Okay. And just after, there was this flash of blue light, as I mentioned. And and I hear a scream from inside. It sounded like a whole host of people screaming at once, wailing. And then just as soon as it started, it was gone. Uh, so, so tell me, friend, uh, what... What, what time of night is this? Before you continue your story, uh... It was getting dark. The twilight was fading. Hmm. But I have no idea what exactly time it was. All right. All right, around twilight. Perfect. Continue, please. I hear this fade screaming. And beside the screaming, as it fades away, I hear the sickest laughter. It didn't sound like a human voice laughing. It sounded like some creature. And I heard this scraping sound of stone getting closer. And I took off there, I tell you. I didn't want to wait around to see what it was. But I'm sure it must have been a ghost. And Casper's been leaning in as he tells the story just further and further. And, they, and their heads are coming closer and closer together. And as he finishes his story, Casper throws his head back and goes, ha, 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 ha. Well, that's a good one, sir. That's quite a good story. I, I do, do love a good ghost story every now and again. But, uh, but let me uh, tell you some advice here, friend. He looks offended. Oh, but friend, but friend, but friend. And he says, don't drag me along. You act oh. like you're taking me seriously. And then you... And then you take the piss, making a fool of me. And I lean right back into him, and in the most serious of tone, Oh, friend, I'm not taking any piss. I'm here to tell you now, ghosts are real. They walk among us, and the stories you share ring far more true than you could possibly imagine. Now... My companion's over there, and I jerk my head over to our over towards our table where the other three are, are still sitting, and, and Dave is leaning over to to kind of be in the conversation. I say, now the three of us are what I might consider to say a uh, interested parties in uh, the certain goings on of uh, activities of the uh, spectral nature. So, any details you might be willing to share. We would greatly appreciate it. Would uh, contribute quite a amount, quite a great deal. Uh, business goes well. Ah, that's the story. All mm. I all I can tell you is what I heard. All right. So here's what I need you to do. First of all, I need you to give me directions to that crypt, and then second of all, I need you to stay away. 
stay as far away for as long as you can. And the next time you take a trip back there, I can almost guarantee you, those ghosts will be gone. He goes, are you new to town that you don't know where the crypts are? Call me a bit of a traveling man, but... uh, First time in Wittenberg, eh? I am a traveler, as are my companions. And any additional assistance to help us better understand the city. And better understand it's, uh, it's certain, and I raise an eyebrow at him, it's certain needs. We would greatly appreciate any assistance on your part. If you head south from here, that is, as you exit the inn, take a right. Make your way until the road ends and take a left there. And you want to follow that road. It's going to wind its way back and forth up the mountain, following the river. Once you get near the edge of town, you'll see a bunch of doors embedded in the, in the mountainside. Hmm. Those are the crypts. They're blocked by stones, great stones that not a single man could never move. I can't remember exactly which one hmm. it was. But it was one of the ones closest to the road. And near the end, maybe the second or third from the end, as you're coming toward the town. I see. I can't say for sure. Oh, you've helped us plenty, friend. You've helped us plenty. And of course, only the priests are allowed in there, so... Hmm. Curious. Well, we happen to know a uh, a very special man of the cloth, and uh, I'd be willing to say he'd be, he'd be, he'd be helpful in... Uh, making those arrangements for us. Alfred, who's sitting across the table, lets out a guffaw. Hmm. And he says, Kilroy, these folks are having you. He's dragging you along. They really got you by the nose. I lean towards Alfred. Let me guess. You'll deal with the ghost problem for a fee? Well, we start pro bono. And then once the deed is done, Uh then then we start talking finances. I'm sure. We've had enough of you. Be on your way, please. Hmm. If I remember correctly, I wasn't speaking to you, Alfred. My conversation was with Kilroy here. Now, Kilroy, I'm not here to take your money. I'm not even going to ask you for anything at all other than information. And tonight you've given me plenty. And I greatly appreciate that. He, he looks kind of sheepish and he goes, Well, I don't, I don't really have anything to offer you anyway. Ah, friend. <laughs> Friends don't ask friends for favors. Because, uh, all right, then. Just don't don't get yourself killed hunting ghosts, I'll say. Speaking of, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, we do seem to run into a quite favorable amount of uh, taking physical harm when we, when we go into our business. I was wondering if there might be a, a doctor in town you could suggest. Someone who have a high repute, high renown, someone who's very good at their craft and their skill. Someone we'd be able to... Uh, Meets should we face any uh, dangerous happenstance. Ah, you could try Dr. Ferk. Excuse me, who? Mm. Doc, uh, Dr. Ferk, F-I-R-K. Cool. Uh, he's down in the, you know, in the lower corridor. Of course, of course. Say, for example, I had some silver to throw around, or maybe even some gold. Who would be the, uh, the ideal surgeon to uh, behest our requests? Probably the most renowned surgeon is the personal physician of Lord Elston. Hmm. But uh, he's, he's not available for everyday folk. Of course, of course, of course. Understandably so. 
Understandably so. Well, Dr. Frick will be it then. Kilroy, I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, and Alfred, I pull my, I pull the dagger out and I toss it into the air and it spins around for a moment and I catch it between two knuckles and chuck it right into the table, right where, like right between his hands that like, right, like just beyond the reach of his hands where, um, he's holding his drink. Make an acrobatics check. Of course. That's great. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. No, no, not a problem. Not a problem at all. That's going to be Is a... it less than 10? It's more than 10. It's a 12. Okay, you catch it. Yeah. It's a very dangerous business. Coming across as so disagreeable to strangers. Treat your friends better. Kilroy's a good boy. He's been very helpful this evening. And we will remember that. Don't preach to me about how to talk to my friends. Kilroy and I have been through thick and thin. Who are you? Someone who sees a problem and chooses to step in to help. Have a good evening. As the sun sets, a fog rolls in. And soon the valley is covered in this thick mist. And visibility is pretty low. Perfect. Where are you guys going to go? Or are you going to sit tight until the morning? I, th- I think it would be a good idea to just go out in the morning, talk to you guys, go talk, to, get check on the records. We'll go check with the herbalists and the doc and like all the town citizenry and figure out like, get an idea of where this guy might be and confirm our suspicions. And then once it gets evening again, then we'll go out and check the, uh, the crypt. Yeah. I'd, why can't we go check the crypt now? It's dark. Because I'm scared of the crypt. Let's just go. But I'm really stealthy. I'm really stealthy. And I think I'd be really good. Okay. This Three of us are stealthy. One of us is not. And he just bought armor. I think I'm really cut out for this line of work. It would be really cool. Bold of you to assume that Dina is stealthy. All right. Okay. Sure. Let's go. Let's, yeah. Let's do it. No. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the crypt. All I had to do was say it would be cool. And you're on board. Yeah, Sweet. Exactly. Let's go to the crypt. To the crypt. To the crypt. Get in the crypt. You follow Kilroy's directions. And it, sure enough, it takes you up the road to um, the edge of town. And there in the side of the cliff, in the side of the mountain, are a number of stone doors with flowers growing all around them. And you see a couple of kind of offerings placed in front of the doors. You pass a town guard carrying a spear over his shoulder uh, with a lantern dangling off of it, but he doesn't pay you any mind, and he makes his way um, into the town. Are we, like, at the crypts now, or are we just passing through the cemetery at this point? There's no cemetery. It's all crypts. Okay, and the guard didn't object to us being here. It's just only the priests are allowed inside the crypts. You, You passed him on the road. Okay. And he didn't say, he just didn't say anything to us. He, we just, we moved okay. past him and it was fine. Yeah, you didn't, you weren't doing anything. Yeah, okay. okay. Oh, and, it, right. and it seems like, you don't see any signs. It, it seems like the area around the crypts is open to the public. Well, I don't think that we should just go around poking into random crypts, but perhaps we should um, wait around um, in the shadows and... See if we hear anything from one of the crypts near the road. 
Any flashes of blue light, that sort of thing. Or some ghosts. We've gotten pretty good at seeing ghosts lately. We are pretty good at seeing ghosts. It's a unique talent. Mm Mm-hmm. Ghost vision? Ghost vision, yes, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Notes that down. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I have received ghost vision. (laughs) Another blessing from the starving god. Add this to my repertoire of blessings and boons from my immortal master. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'd like to look around the crypts to see if there's been any kind of physical disturbance there beyond placing the, you know, placing flowers, placing memorial stuff. I'd like to see if there's been like any kind of tampering done. I'd like to see if there's any kind of damage to any one specific crypt. Remind me, do you have dark vision? Uh, yes, I do. Okay, make an investigation check. Sure. That's pretty good. That's a uh, 21. So he had mentioned that it was the second or third yeah. from the end. And sure enough, um, you find that near the second to last crypt there are there's some obvious kind of disturbance in the dirt that it looks like the stone's been moved recently this might be too specific of a question but does it look like the scone it does, it does it look like the scones does it look like the stones have been pushed outward i mean the the disturbance is in front of the stone so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay it might be best if we simply Press up against a shadow and watch for a while. Did Killjoy have a particular location he said the blue lights he saw emanated from? Was it specifically from a crypt or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he said it, he saw it through the, the crack in the crypt door. Mm. Okay. So Dina is going to um, wander over to whatever Casper has found and search for signs of magical, I don't know, scorch marks or some sort of mechanics, some sort of residue, maybe runes, maybe some lines for an enchantment laid that aren't easily visible. Make an investigation check. Mm. A nat 20? Money. So plus Arcana twenty-seven. You don't you don't see anything. I figured it was a mechanical <laughs> thing, but I wanted to rule it out. Well, I mean, they could have used magic to open the door, but it wouldn't There wouldn't be traces. You wouldn't see it mm-hmm. at this point. Are there any traces of not magical practical, but magical in the ethereal sense, like magical re- like residual magic kind of just still emanating from this place. Uh, like, is, is, this a, is this a magical Do place Do my of magic eyes see? No, there's, there's some vague magic coming off of the offerings that are placed in front of the crypts. Are there offerings in front of the disturbed crypt? Uh, yes. Okay. What are they? It there's a there's a little basket. Um, and it's got a cloth over it, and when you pull up the cloth, you see there's some rolls. 
Ooh. We just ate in the inn. <laughs> and they're kind of shimmering in the ethereal. Can I examine them more closely? Magic rolls? Are they just divine? Is it divine? Do they burn me? <laughs> Make a religion check. Oh, gosh. I'm going to take a good look at these rolls. I kid you not. Another 20? Yeah. I've burnt all of them. You determined that there's that these offerings convey an actual blessing okay. under the deceased. It's oh, not shoot. it's not just superstition. Glad I didn't touch real. them. It's not like magic was cast on them, but there's there's divine magic inherent to them by their nature. Dina is not going to be able to achieve anything else for the rest of this podcast. Two 20s in a row. <laughs> She's That's out of commission. She's done. So Casper is the only one who hears this again. Was he your insane passive perception? Yeah. Uh, um, but you hear some voices um, coming from above you up the side of the mountain. And they sound kind of cheerful. Oh, okay. Sounds like people just kind of chatting. Can I make out what they're saying? No. Cool. Um, well, I feel comfortable enough to kind of stay out in the open. I mean, it's not wrong to be here. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just await there and kind of keep looking around. Uh, but I change the the demeanor with which I am looking around the crypts. I'm not like getting real deep in the investigation. I'm just silently observing all of the things. And uh, yeah, I kind of wait for these individuals to come around the corner or come down the mountain. But I do turn, but I do turn to Dana and I do turn to the others and I say, uh, there are some people coming this way. If uh, y'all would care to make yourself scarce. I think, I think Dave is already like pressed up against a wall. <laughs> Dave has disappeared. He said his plan, his plan was to just sit and wait for a while. If you're trying to hide, just make a stealth check for me. Okay. This was my first roll of the session. Oh, that's that's good. That's an 18. Ooh. Okay. Uh, no one else is trying to hide? Oh, I'm trying to hide. Okay. Oh, I'm a four. A four? Dina got a four to okay. hide. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I got a 10. The voices grow louder. You can start to kind of make out what they're saying, and uh, you hear somebody saying, it is such a lovely night out tonight. I can't believe the weather we're having. Oh, yes, if only we could appreciate it better. I miss the sun. And you see, Bryce, as you're looking up, you see um, four figures drift um, down the beaten path through the crypts, uh, there are four ghosts kind of floating through. Um, and they're all carrying different items, ethereal items. They all look like they're carrying foodstuffs. Um, and as soon as they come around, one of them spots you and says, oh, look, 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 it's a skeleton man. Hello, skeleton man. Ah, good evening, fellas. It's two two women and two men. Hmm. 
How are all you fine folks this lovely evening? Oh, we're just we're just out for our nightly picnic. You haven't touched that offering, have you? Oh, by no means. Of course not. It's not for me. Um, they float up towards you, and then um, one of them spots Dina and Jersa and says, We can see you over there. There's more. There's three of them. These are my companions. Uh, we've uh, we've just come down from the town uh, because we uh, we actually heard a, a bit of a rumor that uh, you've been making yourselves uh, a bit too visible to the living members of this here town. One of them, a woman at the back goes, what are you talking about? Well, uh, the reason we're down here is because we got a uh, word of a ghost sighting. A ghost sighting? Uh, aye. Well, so what if they saw us? Oh, uh, If somebody has the sight, the third eye, you know, that's a gift. <laughs> not our problem. Oh, of course not. I'm not by any means <laughs> claiming that it is one. Dave's 18 stealth is him disguised as a gargoyle just standing right next to Jersa and Dina. <laughs> and as she says, the third eye, Dave just whispers to just, just whispers to Jersa. Ghost fishing. Ghost fishing. <laughs> it's, it's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> she says to the immobile gargoyle. <laughs> at, uh, one of, at the lull on the conversation, one of them floats forward and reaches down with an empty hand and lifts the basket with the rolls in it. And as she does so, a ghostly version of the basket lifts up from out of the physical basket and you see the magic go out of it and you can see that they're carrying all these different foodstuffs and flowers and uh, their arms are kind of laden with all of it so i do have a question for you we've met a number of other uh, spectral individuals in our in our journeys and in our quests i i guess i've always just assumed that uh that spectral individuals have to uh have some kind of regret or some kind of uh, thing that they have to absolve or forgive themselves for. Uh, but I am curious, uh, if, if one, if that's the case here, uh, two, if it's not, uh, why haven't you? Why haven't you passed on? Why aren't you in the uh, in the next? I guess the person at the front who goes to the front says, "Ah, oh, that's all superstition." We can pass on whenever we feel like it. We just don't want to. Oh. <laughs> uh, why not? What's uh, what, what's keeping you from moving on? Well, we all have relatives. We want to see our kids grow up. You know. Uh, no, I, I, I guess I don't. You don't have any kids? <laughs> not with that. Not with. You haven't found the right person. I'm sure they're right around the corner. Don't worry yourself. He's he's dead. He's dead. Oh, yes. Well, that is tragedy. Maybe adoption is for you, though. <laughs> he's dead. Well, that's. I'm sure you. you'd make a great. I'm sure you'd make a great parent. Skeleton daddy. <laughs> Whole new type of deadbeat dad. So you got to introduce yourself next podcast, Bryce. <laughs> man, you've already scripted it for me. That's so good. Oh man. So, so uh, you, you, you're seeing and you're and you're tending to your family. That's a, uh, that's something quite honorable. Our story's a little bit different. Uh, 
we're 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 more uh, we're more stuck here. Speak for yourself. Well, I'm stuck here. Ask them about the doctor. Well, that's uh, tragic. Hmm. Sorry to hear that. Well, but it seems that you guys are making a pretty positive go of it, yeah? Uh, yeah, picnics every night. Sounds quite nice. I, I I do have a question for you though. We're actually on a bit of a bit of a search. We're uh, we're looking for a doctor. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's one of the people that made us like this. One of the one of the women at the back pipes up. Have you seen Doctor Firk? He's my grandson. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Uh, hopefully we will get to meet him in the future. He's, he's not the specific doctor that we're looking for. Uh, we're looking for a Dr. Silk. They look at each other and then back to you. And one of them says, care to describe him? I'm going to need someone else to step in here. We, we do have a memory of him. We do, yeah. yeah. He yeah. had gold teeth, right? Was he the gold teeth guy? I was going to do uh, a minor illusion. So Dave just just very stealthily with his his other hand kind of like reaches into his pocket, takes a piece of wool out, does a little shaking motion, uh, and I want to project a um an image of his his head like his face, with minor illusion, <laughs> as, as best as I can remember it. Yeah, he's an older guy. He's missing, aye, in, in, including the head. He's also missing three fingers. They they kind of all raise their eyebrows simultaneously at this. And one of them goes, I didn't know that man was a doctor. <gasps> what are you talking about? The one with the greasy hair, yeah? Uh, yeah, that, that that's him, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, so this is a... If he's, if he's not a doctor, then what is he? He goes, here, follow me. And he goes through the gravestone, or the... the, the the door of the crypt and then a moment later his head pops out of the it looks huge um his head his head pops out of the stone and he goes oh 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 my gosh so sorry forgot and then um he pops back in and a moment later the stone like kind of grinds open oh inside we go I guess I dropped my act. I, the, the gargoyle slides in after the rest of us. Uh, yeah, Casper, Casper goes in. Okay. The other three ghosts see Dave move, and, and they're like, Oh! Oh, you scared us! Oh, sorry. Uh, sometimes I just get very still. They all kind of crowd around you, and they're like, What? What are you? I, it's, it's, it's a little trick. Um, here, and I, I'll do disguise self again, and I'll make myself look like Dave. Um, they can see um, through your disguise. They see your true self. Okay, yeah. So okay, sure, sure. Um, they're just like some kind of octopus man. <laughs> Something oh. like that. Yes. Oh wow! I don't know what the word is. Um, for for my people in common, actually. Um, in my language, it's... <laughs> I knew this man was coming! I knew it was coming! That's so funny. One of them at the back pipes up and raises a finger. and goes, Oh! Sea elves! <laughs> sea elves! No, I, I, I know th- no, no, I know those ones. It's different. Oh. Different. They don't, uh, they don't have the, the tentacles and the, oh. uh, the, the things. Um, yeah. Oh, well... Close. Close. Okay. 
Um, and you guys <laughs> kind of all go inside. Um, and the ghosts levitate the door shut again. You are inside this carved out cavern. It's carved out very carefully to have squared edges. There are inscriptions all over. Um, in they're written in celestial, and there are what appear to be like smaller stone plates in the walls, and some of them have been removed, and you can see there's a hole for a body to slide in, and it goes a little ways back. On examination, you can see that all of these holes are empty. The ghosts kind of pry open some of the other ones that are closed, and they show you they're all emptied out. Wait, wait, wait a minute. This is this is a crypt. Where are the bodies? Yeah, that guy you're talking about. He's been coming by and taking bodies. Body snatchers. We didn't know he was a doctor. Uh, I don't think he is. Well, he might be. Could be some unorthodox medicine. Dave, I'll tell you now, as someone who's lived on the surface for quite a while, this is way beyond unorthodox. As out of curiosity, has this affected any of you? Have any of your bodies been taken? They say no, but uh, it is a little concerning. Uh, I don't think anything would happen to us, but... I mean, you just don't like having somebody, you know, messing with your body like that. Hmm. Do Do you know any other ghosts who've been? I'm sorry, sorry. I mean, um, disembodied people. Oh no, ghosts um, is fine. Been... Yeah, you can call us ghosts. Uh, okay, oh, I'm sorry. I don't. It's hard to keep up these days. Um, he's trying to be PC. <laughs> no, everyone else has passed on. Oh, oh right. That's very interesting. I would like to look around and see if anything has been left behind. Some some indication of where he's taken them or what he's used to get them out of here. Any kind of any kind of leftover pieces just hanging around from these uh, thefts. Okay, make an investigation check. Sure thing. See how well this goes. And then I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, did they happen to mention how, like, decayed or what state the bodies were in that he was taking? No, but they wouldn't know that either. They didn't see? Okay. No. Uh, that was an 18 on that investigation. Looking carefully at the, at the, the ground in here, the dust on the floor, you can see that there's actually two sets of footprints. And the other set is pretty big. Very large person. Like in, like in D&D terms, we would categorize this person as, as large? Um, yes. Okay. Mm. Yeah. All right. It's a Victor Frankenstein moment, maybe. <laughs> it appears that our greasy friend has a much larger compatriot. Out of curiosity, is there any pattern to 
these body snatchings, does it happen on a particular day of the week? Is it an every night thing? It seems to be most nights around midnight. And what time is it now? Oh, it's getting close to midnight, actually. Oh, no. How um, does he always come to this crypt? Uh, no. Uh, he emptied out the other one next door first. So that was the first one, and this is the second. Yeah. Hmm. Are there any bodies still in here? No. All right. Corporeal dead huddle. All right. We <laughs> huddle. We all bring it in. I could speak to each of you in your minds, but this is more efficient. <laughs> so I know that we had talked about being very cautious, but we could, we could set a trap here. At least in the next script. Oh, that is a bit more advantageous, isn't it? Yes. When we had the sheriff, when it was one versus four, it was rather easy to deal with. Yeah, but what about this giant uh, compatriot, well, whatever that is? Well, it's still, a four v- it's still a four versus two. And those odds are much, much better than four versus an entire town. I c- we could also watch. Um, I could turn us all invisible again. Um, and then we could just watch and get a, get a view um, of them. But we need to be very careful because if we spook them, if we give them any idea... That something's up. That is a great point. And I and I turn to the to the. Can uh, we do both? Oh, I I would I would. Can we set a trap and then be invisible? Um, I mean, we we could. That's possible. I I might want to reserve my spells if we do a trap because mind control is um very useful in these situations. I found. I I turn to the to the to the uh to the ghosts behind us outside of the huddle, and I say. Is there a way for you to get us into the into the crypts that they they haven't gotten into yet? Oh sure. And they they levitate the door open, and they levitate the next door open, and they show you inside. And it looks the same as the other one, except that in here all of the all of the smaller doors to the nooks where the bodies are are sealed. Right. If if we're voting on this, I would say we withhold any kind of any kind of fight for as much as possible. It's going to take a lot of effort from Dave to keep it together, and we need to, <laughs> and we need to get a firm grasp of what we're going into. We need to get a good idea of who this, of what the doctor has at his disposal, and what this big fella has in store for us when we actually face him. I agree. It would be better not to charge in. I don't want to have a repeat of what happened in Wheatfield. We have to be very careful if we try to just watch and not set a trap tonight, though, because, again, if they catch any wind of anything funny, this opportunity goes completely out the window. So you're going to have the ghost shut you in there? Yeah, I think we're going to get shut in. I could always be a spider or something. They they say, okay, just so you know, uh, if Morning comes around, we won't be able to open that for you anymore. How about, how about, um, just before morning, you, uh, you come get us out? Will that work? All right. And they shut you in the crypt, and then they disappear. 
Dave, if it takes you more energy to cast invisibility on multiple peoples, I can change my shape into something small and impossible to detect. I could do it to multiple of us, actually. Uh, don't don't worry about that. Um, when I cast the spell, I it doesn't it doesn't work quite quite exactly how your magic works. Um, Tori, whenever I cast a spell, I only have two spell slots. When I cast a spell, it's always at fifth level. Oh, that's awesome. So when I cast invisibility, it's going to be fifth level every time, so I can target all, all four of us with it. So there's really there's no point. You save your spell. All spell. right, all right. All right, Dave. Whenever you're ready. I suggest we wait until we hear the rock moving, and then when there's that sound, it should cover the sound of me encanting, and I'm perfect. We'll all be invisible. Then I suppose we wait. So you wait. It's pitch black in here. And then um, after maybe an hour, you hear footsteps outside. Um, and you see the stone kind of warp. Okay, invisibility. It, the stone kind of kind of warp and wobbles and ripples and then it pulls back away and then uh, while it's still rippling you see a haunched figure step in with uh, his hood drawn over his face and he kind of waves his hand and the stone wobbles back behind him and shuts and he steps forward and you can see his Sure enough, he's missing the three last fingers, middle ring and pinky, on his hand. And he pulls out this shimmering black cloth, and he spreads it out on the floor, and it forms this big circle. And, and like, space kind of warps, and you see the circle kind of form into a pit in the floor. And he says, hurry up, come up! And this large creature uh, puts its hand up and steps up out of the pit and starts prying open these Kripnooks, whatever they're called, um, alcoves, I don't, I don't remember the word for them. He pries them open and he starts dragging bodies out and tossing them into the hole. Did he light something, or is he doing this completely in the dark? Oh, yeah, he has a lantern. Okay, cool. And he's just kind of watching his servant do this. You guys could make a arcana check to see what this creature is. Um. Okay, so that, that'd be an arcana check. Okay. Yeah. Um. Is Quick question. Silk is human, yes? Yes. Okay. I only got a, got a two I, on my I got a ten. Check. Yeah, I'm trashed. Here, I got you. So it's a total of a nine, but I rolled a two. So, you know. All right, I'm going to do it. Oh, <laughs> here comes Jerez's save the day. Hello there. I'm not even an Arcana person, but I got a 16. Jerez <laughs> <laughs> is like, I got to take it in a fight. You slumdog millionaire this. Somewhere <laughs> in your past, you've encountered one of these before. What? Sweet. Right? And it's... You know that it's a flesh golem. Ooh. So it's it's a creature stitched together from body parts and then imbued with like oh, life force. Yeah, 
Yeah, yes. Oh, Jersa reflects on her past trauma. She was she was invited to a new martial arts class. They had these. They're advertising it. It's like, you know, you triggered. Really, really like a hands-on experience. You just had to like beat up a flesh column. (laughs) Do we recognize the item? Do we know what kind of black shimmering thing he just threw on the floor? Oh yeah, that's a portable hole. Cool. And to clarify in your previous description, the rock did move, right? Didn't it just become yeah it permeable? Moved. Okay. How many bodies is the creature taking out of here? Uh, it takes six, and then it starts trying to put the the little door things back into the nooks, the alcoves. And uh, Silk says, no, that won't be necessary. Stop, stop, stop. And it climbs back into the hole, and he pulls it up again. The same, kind of casts the same spell, and the door warps and pushes outward. And he steps out, and it closes again. Oh, that would have been the perfect time to just pounce on him. Do you want to? He's still in the room. <laughs> no, because we all agreed we wouldn't, but Jersa's like, ah, oh, dang it. We could just repeat the same thing next time. Just knock the lantern over. Yeah. Boom, no light. Boom, 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 boom. Wail boom. on him with our fists. <laughs> unarmed strike, unarmed strike. Wait before he puts the hole down. Don't let him put the hole down. Just, you know, get him right before. Corporeal huddle. <laughs> all right. Well, it seems like he didn't catch that anything was up we can repeat the same thing tomorrow night can everyone here see in the dark i i can uh not not really i can so right now you guys can't really see anyway because it's pitch black in here there's absolutely no light i mean i can i can see in magical darkness oh so, so i think can. i'm fine oh no then no. i'm i'm, I'm blind yeah oh yeah no okay impossible to see okay also I've never fought. I have fought many a creature, many a large creature. I have never fought a, anything like what just came to that hole. Not even quite sure what to expect. We just attack him before the hole is put down. Yeah, a nasty creature. You you recognize it? It's a flesh golem, and they're not fun to play with. I've heard of those. <laughs> I can tell you that much. <laughs> Jersa gritting through, gritting through traumatized if you teeth. Can avoid fighting one of them. We're, we're being good shape. I I feel like it's almost inevitable that we're going to have to fight it, even if we better get the drop on him. He still have an opportunity to throw the to throw the dimension door down. Like it or not, that thing's going to come crawling out of that hole. No, what if we burn it? Precisely. <laughs> I could burn the hole. We'll just burn the whole thing. Can we burn the dimension door? Theoretically, I, I... but it could cause a lot of problems. It's a pocket of space. Portable hole. Oh, portable hole. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Portable hole. It could get very nasty very easily. Uh, somebody could try to um, wrest it out of his hands before he could throw it down. Jessa? <laughs> I don't think you can destroy it that easily. I can stun him, yeah. and then we can take it. Okay, all right. So if Jersa gets the first 
first swing at him and maybe we can keep and we can get it off of him we have a chance of keeping the golem from, from getting inside what do you think what do you think about the nature of his magic is he powerful in and of himself or does he just use powerful tools i'm guessing he's probably some sort of wizard or something to that effect mm. that or a sorcerer maybe a warlock. i wonder why they call him a doctor because he likes cutting people up Ooh. Here's what I think. I think that I'll keep us invisible so we can get the drop on him. And then, Dina. Yes. Do you possess, um, do you possess counterspelling abilities? No. All right. Well, I, I can do that. I can only do it once after I've done the invisibility. But I can attempt to block him if he tries to escape by moving the rock or anything like that. And so we'll have him trapped for sure. If you stun him at the beginning and he's unable to move, you drop a good three or four good punches on him so he can't move. And it should be pretty easy at that point um, for, uh, I, I think, uh, Dina and Casper to um, well, knock him unconscious at least. And finish the job. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly a powerful magic user, but if I can shut his magic down and we can stun him... He's probably not tough enough to take that many blows. I do take pride in my ability to fight, and I know that Dane is good for it. But one thing that we're not accounting for, we can't see anything. He'll have the lantern. That's true. That'll provide some light for We you. also have a day to prepare and a good deal of money. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, have it we go to sleep and wait for the ghost to come back. Wait, is it morning? We, we don't sleep. Is there any day? Oh my gosh, I keep forgetting we don't sleep. We don't sleep. Let's take a rest. The ghost said they'd come back before morning, so I figure we just rest in the cave until then. Yes, but when they do come back, we need to get out so that we're not stuck in here exactly. Okay. So that we can... Well, actually, so Luke, did he take did he take all the bodies out of here or just some? Just some of them. Okay, and the other crypt had all the bodies gone, right? He didn't leave any? Yes. Okay, so we can... It's fairly safe to assume that he'll be back to this one then. Okay. Tori, do you does your character have any like uh, dancing lights or prestidigitation? No, she did not prioritize those things. The best she okay. has is various fire spells, so early cantrip stuff. It would be like firebolt. Got scorching ray too. That'll mm-hmm. be pretty bright. It's gonna be real interesting if there's wild magic in the tiny tiny crypt. <laughs> it's gonna be like a shotgun. Oh, that's gonna be intense. You cast fireball yourself. Boom. We all die. Everyone dies. New campaign. <laughs> campaign. We did it, guys. Dina blew us all, all up right. the way she was going to from the beginning. Alright. I feel I feel good to pass the night waiting for the ghosts to come let us out. Mm-hmm. Dave is like, okay, we have this trap plan. We need, now we need to keep as low a profile as possible mm. because what can go wrong will, will go, go wrong. wrong. All right. And if you know, if 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 he sees us, you know, in town now, yeah, just, yeah, that's a good point. Again, we've we've just botched something real big. So we could just tell the ghosts to leave us in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'd be willing to to lay low. And just literally just wait in the crypt all day. <laughs> in the crypt. <laughs> just sitting there. So a few hours pass, you estimate, and then you hear the door open again. Okay, we're, we're all going to be... Oh, wait, is this the ghost? Yeah, the ghost floats inside. And he goes, hey, it's almost morning. 
Are you in there? I, I we are indeed. Yeah. And uh, thank you for coming back for us. We appreciate it. Oh, uh, I almost forgot to be honest. <laughs> well, we came. We saw what we needed to see. Well, hurry up. Casper hustles out of the uh, out of the crypt. I, out of uh, curiosity, would you be would you be able to do this for us? Um, tomorrow night. Um, his ghostly brow furrows, and he goes, "Oh, I guess." We're we're just trying to. We we want to make sure that he's apprehended. Don't want anyone else's bodies being snatched. Oh, it isn't right. Okay. All right. <laughs> we we greatly appreciate it. Is there a is there anything we can do for you as a as a form of exchange? What ghost currency do you accept? Would you like more bread? Uh, well, if you could uh, convey a message to my to my grandchildren. To, yeah, Doctor Doctor Furk, of course. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just uh, let them know that uh, I like cinnamon. <laughs> what? That that what, <laughs> that you like cinnamon? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I love them also. Oh, of course, of course, of, of course. Hmm. I can convey that message, of course. All right. He um. Did you guys all come out? Yeah. Okay. He closes the door, and then kind of floats up the hill, and you guys can see the sky is starting to lighten. Another morning, quests over Wittenberg. The the only problem is, we still don't know what his artifact is. That's probably the biggest unknown variable, so we really need to get him out in one round if we can, um, so to speak. Um, and then we're probably going to need to interrogate him very thoroughly. I, so, agreement all around, no killing the first time around. No, we need we need the information this time. Why do surfaces bury their dead like this? Well, uh, not all of them do. This is one way that the living pass the dead on to the next life. There's a number of different mm. ways. Uh, and Casper sits down on a, on one of the rocks, kind of overlooking overlooking the city as the sun comes up. Uh, my people, for example, we don't bury our dead. We send them out. In fact, we live our lives, all our entire lives, for the purpose of dying one day. And then we're sent out on a boat to, into the great ice fields. And uh, we're told the North Mother will come and retrieve us from the ice fields. But, ev- but, e- but every culture has their stories. For this town, and I would guess that uh, this crypt and the way the dead are, are buried and the food brought here every day, it's just a story to remember. It's it's less about what happens afterward and more about remembering what was. Remembering the life instead of worshipping the death. There's also the very practical reason that a dead body spreads a lot of disease and they do tend to pile up. So getting rid of them in some way away from the living population is beneficial. Yeah, and speaking as a person made of earth, they... Uh... <laughs> Every every being, you know, is kind of made of the same stuff. So 
going back into the earth is kind of like a a circle of life, as you can imagine. <laughs> well, there's 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 more than just the and it moves us all <laughs> through despair and hope. <laughs> Oh <laughs> <laughs> On the path unwinding. <laughs> Is this what you surfaces called poetry? Uh, we all know it. Every one of us knows the song. Um, Jessa, it's. It, I'd have to disagree. There, it's a. Uh, we're more than just the. Than just the physical stuff. There's something inside, something worth remembering. Because if we were all just the physical stuff, there's nothing worth remembering. Dave, I'm curious. How do they do it where you're from? What happens to the dead? I spent very little time in the actual society um, that I was born in. I, even among my own people, I'm, I'm, I'm different. Never would have guessed. You mentioned that. I'm a bit of a mutant. As it were. So, I got lost one day, and they didn't really send anyone looking for me. So, I don't know, even among my own people, all the reasons for the customs, but they're very practical people. Hmm. They don't allow things to go to waste and follow the old ways. So, the bodies are left out in the reef for the scavengers um, to take part in. Hmm. Uh, The bodies are consumed and become a part of another organism. And uh, what happens to the other stuff? You know, the parts worth remembering. To be honest, I've never really concerned myself very much with that. Maybe you're the lucky one. Because, uh, nobody came looking for me either. This is sad. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, but I, uh, that's just my own experience. I, I think it's, um, it doesn't make me happy. Mm. But it doesn't make me sad either. Uh, everyone has a purpose. Uh, everything is... Already faded out. I found a very special purpose when I was lost. The starving god? Yes. Precisely. Tell me more about him. What's the... He, he sees the world as, as worth burning? What's his... From the bit you've described about him, he seems to be acquit of a... Quite a cynical fella. No, not burning. The starving god is suffering. He is experiencing great pain. All of creation, all of this, it's a piece of him that's been separated. Cut off. He wishes to be one with it again. To retrieve it back into his essence. And his chosen are those who have come to help him. To end that hunger. And he will no longer hunger once he's feasted on the world. 
then everything will be one. What comes after that? That's far beyond the minds of mortals. I don't question the starving god. I can't. It's too beyond my knowledge. Too beyond my comprehension. I simply do as I am asked. For that is my purpose. It is my fate. It is your fate as well. I guess there's a small part of me still holding out hope. Because that's the North Mother. She's hope. For all of us. The winter I was born killed half the population of the entire country. Those who survived we were called the Redka. In my tongue, it means the gift. We were a gift that the North Mother gave. We were a gift specifically trained, specifically preserved to defend our home. And it could not have come at a better time. We faced multiple invasions on every side. I have fought in many wars. But I wouldn't be here without the North Mother. My nation, my family, my home, it would be ash if she had not been there to preserve my people. Without the North Mother, I'm an elf with two swords. And he summons Ice Knife and just kind of holds it there. I experience a new relationship. There's something more than despair. And that's what she's calling us to. Every one of us, from the day we're born to the day we die, we hope to one day ride beside the North Mother. But here I am and I'm dead. Perhaps you just have to go find her when this is all over. Go north. Hmm. When it's over. Maybe. The sky begins to brighten, turns to a pale gray. Two figures make their way up the road towards you. They look to be dressed in priestly garb. Oh no. Their heads shaved. Um, and they're carrying buckets uh, and wearing just drab gray cloaks. Um, they make brief eye contact with you but say nothing. Uh, And stepping past you, they reach down and pick up the offerings, the basket with the rolls in it, and uh, put them in the bucket. And then continue down the row of crypts, picking up offerings and and carrying them away in the buckets. You, You suddenly feel a tingling, and you have an overwhelming sense, all of you, that you're being watched. Oh, no. By what? Perception check? Go ahead and make perception checks. Roll red. Should have just stayed inside the crypt all night. Or all day. 17. Tasty. Six. Oh, that's a 23. 17. Awesome. Simultaneously, you all start looking around. And you spot... On the road, um, there's like a wooden fence. You spy a blackbird perched on a fence post, and that's the only living creature you can see around. 
I looked at I look at Dave. That's no bird. One of you need to turn into a bird. <laughs> oh. Oh, I can't change into flying creatures. Dina hasn't seen anything. Dina got a six. Why would one of us need to turn into a bird? I'm going to I'm gonna speak into everyone's mind and just be like, there's probably a familiar right there. Don't look at it. Don't pay it any attention at all. And I speak back to Dave in his mind. How far away does how far away can the familiar be from its other familiar? My understanding is it can be as far away as need be. Do we need to kill it? If we do, we only arouse more suspicion. I'm, I'm speaking to, to everybody. I, regardless of what other people are doing, I'm speaking to people entirely through their, through their right, hands. Right, right, right. If that is him, and we have to assume that it's him. The bird lets out a warbling call and hops from the fence post onto a rail and warbles again. And you hear another warble in the distance in response. And then it picks up and flies um, to the east. East towards the fortress and the mountain? Away. Oh, okay. No, away from the city. Up the river. If that's him, then we can't go with our original plan. Hmm. It did fly away from the city. I don't know why it would try to draw attention to itself. That's what's strange to me. Unless it's not him. And he's trying to get us to follow him. It could be related to Adramald or Dagol. <gasps> Keep it calm, Jersa. Keep right. it calm, yeah. We have all day. We might as well go investigate it if it is him. I, can't, I doubt he's improvised a trap this quickly. He also, I doubt the, I doubt from the distance that that bird was that he'd be able to know, to recognize us, especially in the in the new duds we put on today. The bird was only about thirty feet from you. Oh, psych! Never mind. Goof. I'm gonna head off in the direction that the bird flew for a little bit. Yeah, I'm following Dave. Okay. Uh, make uh, I don't know. What would he tracking an animal survival? Okay. Not animal handling. No. That's good. Ooh, 19. That's good. Oh, 26. Okay. Is it just the two of us? Or? Well, I don't need to roll. You got a 26. <laughs> <laughs> You're following me. Are, are all four of you going? Yeah, I assume so. Yeah. Okay. You make your way up the road, and you come to some terraces, and you see quite a number of blackbirds perched here and there, uh, on the edge of the terraces, on fence posts, um, and you hear all of them warbling. It's worse than finding a needle in a haystack. Um, you said they're on these terraces? Yeah, the, the hillside is terraced. Oh, and also, from where you are, um, you hear the sound of falls. Is this like a is this like an unnaturally large congregation of birds? Uh, make a nature check. Well, since I'm rolling really well today, I'll go ahead and risk that. 16. That was pretty good, yeah. Um, minus one intelligence, so. Doesn't seem like it. Okay. I let I let out a blackbird warble call. Make an animal handling check? Yep. That's a 27. <laughs> okay, you stick your hands up to your mouth, um, and you make, like, a perfect blackbird warble you hear a few of them 
the, the warble kind of spreads through the flock. For the most part, they respond normally. I'm gonna try something. Um, I'm going to make... I'm gonna use thaumaturgy, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna create a very, very loud noise, like a, like a thunder crack or the earth rumbling or whatever, to spook the birds. With the idea being that a familiar might not react the same way as all the other birds. Alright, you make a thunder crack, and the birds all just take off into the sky. Hmm. Um and swirl around above you and then land again. Make a perception check. Twelve. Uh, twenty. They all seem there's there's nothing unusual about any of their behavior. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, neat. Maybe it's just a normal bird. Not out of the realm of possibility. But I felt such a weird feeling, like I was being watched. Um, what else is around? Like, there's the barley field, and then there's the birds. Is there any like buildings around nearby? Any you know discernible landmarks? Any kind of anything well, you're, different? You're out there? of the city, um, and there's quite a few farmhouses here and there. Um, most of them are up hill among the terracing. Some of them are near the road. There's nothing very interesting with an eyesight. All right. What if we try? I, 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 turn, I turn to the group and say, go with me on this one. And I turn back to the flock of birds and I call out, we know you saw us hanging out down there. Hello? It's just a little weird we're just visitors, and um, we were seeing, we were, we heard about the crypt, we went to go see it, and then, hello? I, I, I lean over to Dina. So, can elves talk to birds? <laughs> no, but druids do have the ability to cast in such a way that they could speak with animals, but I... I don't think he's cast anything. Uh, so Casper, uh, when you shout that, you see a bird lift up and it's off on one of the terraces. It flies up and it flies down towards you and lands on the road in front of you and kind of hops towards you. I kneel on the ground and cast speak with animals. <laughs> You've made a friend. Hello? Hello? <laughs> All right, uh, grand. Um, hello, little friend. We noticed you noticed us, so we wanted to come check and see if there was anything you wanted to tell us. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> keep... You're dead. Well, well, yeah, we we know, we know. Uh, it's a it's a tomb. That's where the dead people go. <laughs> bird bird cocks its head very quickly. People do an interesting thing where we bury our dead in the ground. A little different than what you might uh, probably do, where when you die, you just kind of hang out in nature. What were you doing looking at us? You're dead. Oh, I'm dead? You're dead. How do you know that I'm dead? 
he hops up on top of your head and starts pecking at your skull. Okay, okay. And then okay, repeats, okay. you're dead! Okay, I, I understand. <sighs> Alright, so I'm... Again, it's complicated. But yes, we are dead. What of it? He hops down onto your shoulder. And he, he says, Come with me. <gasps> Where are we going? You'll see. Hey everyone, Respect the Die Season 1 is Luke Larson as our Dungeon Master, Jamie Hakama as Jerissa, Bryce Hakama as Casper, Tariah Olsen as Dina, and Sam Larson as Dave. You can follow us on Twitter at Respect the Die or on Facebook at facebook.com slash respect the die. That way you can keep up to date with us on our release schedule and on any other updates that we may put out. You can also ask us questions. We would love to interact with you. If you want to help support the podcast, the best way that you can do that is to follow it, like it, leave a review if you can, and most importantly, tell your friends about it. Retweet our tweets, share our Facebook trailers, or just use word of mouth. If you've got any cool friends who really like Dungeons and Dragons or you think might just enjoy our vibe or storytelling, uh, clue them in. Do them a favor. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time.